This is Dr. Kara Shepard, and you're listening to Goat Talk with the Goat Doc. listening to goat talk with the goat doc coming at you is part three of so you think you want to have goats uh or maybe this is like part two b because this is a another um episode about feeding and nutrition i'm going to talk about grain and uh supplements um things you can do things that are maybe not necessary but maybe not going to hurt anything um and things that like i recommend over over not um thanks very much for listening uh thanks for bearing with me through like spotty podcasting this summer trying to get back on the regular podcasting uh, bandwagon and uh talk about goats more so, uh, if you have questions or comments or suggestions of things you'd like to hear me talk about, I have a couple good backlog things that I need to talk about that I tend to get kind of excited about when I talk about. I talk about like utter health in the in the future, um, lactation and mastitis and those kinds of things. Um, so that'll be coming at some point. I hope. Um, and got some other good suggestions of like when do you need to call the vet what do you need to like thinking of like a flow chart of what to how to make like decision health decision making maybe is this an emergency um those kinds of things to uh talk about on future episodes so that should be coming your way um in the future and uh the next I keep I keep extending this so you think you want to own goats uh, series. I'm trying to in this kind of group of episodes. I'm definitely touching on things that I've talked about in other episodes, but I'm trying to kind of include like practical thoughts and considerations for for goat keeping, um, and uh, hopefully that will like help you consider like what are our you know, maybe the best practices for, for goat keeping, for feeding, for housing. Um, is that practical? Is it doable for you? Is it something you really want to get into if you're new to goats? So that's kind of my goal with this series of episodes. Um, next one is going to be like, uh, more like medical health considerations, uh, kind of minimal vaccination recommendations, minimal biosecurity recommendations. Um, and I'll probably touch on a little bit of, uh, like, uh, quarantine, adding new animals to your herd, quarantine procedures and things like that. Again, I, if you've listened to all the podcast episodes, there's probably a good amount of overlap here in stuff I've talked about in the past. Um, but trying to kind of consolidate it in a, in a summary way for things to think about, if you're new to goats or if you're getting more goats um, and maybe a little bit more like practical tips for for goat keeping uh, that may be useful. 
so a couple more episodes, the health one, and then I'm going to wrap it up with, so you think you want to get goats, <laughs> the devil's advocate episode, why you absolutely should not get goats. Um, so th- that's what's going to be coming next. Um, uh, thanks so much for listening. You can email me at goat.cara at gmail.com. You can find my website at goatdoc.com and click the contact tab. You can find me on Instagram at goat underscore doc. All of those are ways to get in touch with me through the internet. And... Uh, if you'd like to do, give some support to the podcast, a great way to do that is to tell your goat-loving friends about the podcast uh, and to go to your favorite podcast player app, subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, I like reading those. It's fun. Uh, uh, and, like, if you email me and or, like, say hi or whatever, I am not ignoring you. I'm really, like, it's it's motivating for me to get feedback about and questions about the podcast um and keeps me wanting to do more and makes me feel a little guilty lately because the summer's been so crazy but that's okay it's gotta get get back on the regular schedule here so anyway uh getting into nutrition uh, considerations, supplements, and grain. This podcast is provided with the intent to educate and inform. It is not a substitute for professional medical advice or veterinary care provided by your local vet. And I strongly encourage you to establish and maintain a current and valid VCPR veterinary and client patient relationship with your local vet. Nutrition and grain. Uh, so last episode I talked about hay and water, which it sounds really silly and basic to be like, I talked about water, but, um, <laughs> uh, and, and hay and talked a little bit about like life stages for, for, uh, feeding like bottle babies and putting hay in front of them. I'll start off kind of the same way talking about grain for, for kids, because lots of times people start goat ownership and buy baby goats whether they're bottle babies or whether they're weaned when if you buy weaned kids they should be eating grain um they goat kids in if you go back and i said this in the last episode too if you go back and listen to the goat kid nutrition episode there i i emphasize that growing kids even after they are weaned cannot get adequate caloric intake adequate nutrition adequate nutritional intake to meet the needs of their growing bodies and uh like meet their like what is the word i'm trying to think of um meet their potential to be the best goat that they can be without being fed grain you're not going to feed a goat kid a weaned goat kid at 12 to 14 weeks old exclusively hay and expect to see the same kind of growth and results you would if you feed that same 12 to 14 week old goat kid plenty of grain they should be um be eating grain when they are weaned enthusiastically uh we start putting grain in front of our kids like one to two weeks old and just like little amounts of it so they put it in their mouths they start to taste it and they start to like it some of them are going to take to it faster than others and uh 
but the thing is they got to start getting used to it and what we find is that then you start to wean them and they're drinking less milk and they're eating more grain and you gradually decrease the milk and eventually they're not drinking any milk and they're only eating grain for that like dense caloric intake requirement that they have this is kind of like when I talked about uh, like pregnancy toxemia for does for pregnant does um, and like nutrition considerations for pregnant does like there's only so much space in the abdomen and there's only so much space in the rumen and there's only so many calories that can be produced from eating forage in that space so you need that dense calorie input uh, milk or grain concentrate in order to physically get enough calories into that growing kid animal to do what it's supposed to do and get big and strong in that critical first year of growth of its life. The first year is critical. After the first year, roughly plus or minus a couple months, things happen developmentally, growth plates close, um, you know, sex hormones do different things, and that kid has passed its like opportunity for that critical level of growth. So that first year is vital. Uh, so what do we do with grain? What do we feed? What kind of grain do we feed? Uh, have said this in a past episode, I'm sure, but um, I'm a firm believer that in the vast majority of cases, animals should eat a feed that is specifically formulated to their species. So goats should eat a feed that is specifically formulated for goats. Sometimes there are species that, like, this is critical and, like, life-threatening for. So uh, sheep and goats are a good example. Like, goats have a really substantial tolerance for copper in their feed compared to sheep. Um, Sheep are really susceptible to copper toxicity as compared to goats. So feeding a goat feed to a sheep can be potentially fatal for that sheep. Um... The other, the reverse isn't true just because if all other things equal in a sheep feed and a goat feed, if the sheep feed just has less copper, feeding that sheep feed to the goat is not going to be as immediately life-threatening, but may affect that animal's potential to thrive. Uh, So goats should eat goat feed, basically. Um, There are things to think about with like what what kind of grain do you feed um this is going to have a little bit of like there's going to be a little bit of a geographic impact on what's available in your region um in new england our kind of big mills are like blue seal and uh which is kent nutrition and uh poolin which is a more local vermont owned company the uh the kind of general thing that I recommend is um, like kind of baseline goat feed that is an 18% protein feed. It can be a sweet feed or it can be a dry pellet. It doesn't matter too, too much to me for that first year of growth. And um, 
yeah, like goat feed, sweet goat, caprine challenger. Um, there's other, like show goat ha, is a, a dry pelleted feed. Those are all in that 18% protein range. They're formulated for goats and they, like I've, animals tend to do well on them. One thing I'm not a super fan of, um, and I don't recommend doing, particularly with young animals, is um, a medicated feed. So a medicated feed is usually, it's called medicated, and that term medicated is used generally to mean that it has a coccidiostat in it. So it is a, has an antiprotozoal medication, usually uh, decoquinate, decox, um, and I don't, I don't feed that generally. Um, coccidia prevention, quote unquote. Um, I should do a whole episode on coccidia. I think I've got to go back and listen to my goat kid diarrhea episode. I did talk about coccidia in that, but um, to just talk about a whole episode on coccidia would probably probably be smart. Um, I thought it was like goat kid diarrhea was like episode number one. So go back and listen to that one. And I talk about coccidia at least a little bit. I can't remember what I said. It was like more than two years ago. Um, but anyway, in terms of feed, I do not routinely feed uh, a medicated, quote-unquote, medicated feed. I say quote-unquote medicated. It's an antiprotozoal. I can't off the top of my head recommend, uh, remember what the mechanism of action is for um, decox. But um, in general, like, I do not like my animals to have an antimicrobial especially oral medication unless they need it because those things are not going to affect only the one thing you're trying to kill. Anytime you administer an antimicrobial, whether it's an injection, whether it's in water, whether it's oral, um, and just as an aside to say anything in water or oral is very uncommonly used in small ruminants, particularly in goats, and particularly in the last few years when legally the um, availability and requirements for using antibiotics, antimicrobials in feed and water has changed a lot, and those should only, only, only be used under the guidance of a veterinarian. Um, you shouldn't even be able to get them without a prescription. So, uh, but, and, and also, like, in any case, I don't like putting an antimicrobial thing into the rumen because you're going to kill the bad stuff, but you're also going to kill the good stuff. Um, in all species, like, so in my small animal practice, too, and um, in humans, there's, like, so much more research going on into the gut biome and how important it is and how, like, giving antibiotics, like, certainly can be life-saving. Giving antimicrobials certainly can be life-saving, but down it, we don't, we haven't historically, since we've in a very short period of time in human history had all these antimicrobials we don't we haven't necessarily understood and appreciated that they can have effects down the line that we didn't really know were going to be a thing so all of that to say 
I don't, <laughs> probably the third time I've said it, sorry. I don't like to give an antimicrobial quote unquote medicated feed unless I need to because I don't want to upset the rumen. Uh, don't disturb the rumen. The, uh, so medicated feed, unless I have an indication to, unless I'm dealing with a coccidia problem, I don't do it. I don't recommend doing it. I don't think it's necessary. Um, the, the other thing that is commonly added to feeds is um, ammonium chloride, uh, which is in feed as a uh, urinary acidifier to help prevent urinary calculi in bucks and weathers. Uh, go listen to the episode on urolithiasis. Um, I do not generally recommend a feed with ammonium chloride added. Um, and a couple reasons for that. Uh, one is that there is, there's kind of historically been a concern about feeding that because it acidifies the urine, it's changing pH, and there's a concern that if we do that on a very long-term basis, we could be setting up animals for, uh, like, osteoporosis, basically, so, like, decrease in bone density, and then that's going to decrease their uh, lifespan, so not not great if that's happening but then having said that the other reason and like probably the more like emergent and critical reason for it is that uh, there was a more recent paper that showed that when we feed ammonium chloride to our bucks and weathers and it's a pretty immediate response so the idea behind ammonium chloride is that you're acidifying the urine acidifying the acidifying the urine makes uh, urinary crystals and urinary calculi less likely to form and can even dissolve some of them if they're present. That if they're present, um, the eating the feeding through the ammonium chloride acidifies the urine and then that prevents the, the production of those crystals of those stones. But if you feed that to the bucks and weathers every single day, they their body adjusts to that and the pH of the urine goes back to normal. So we're feeding it and it's not doing anything. Uh, this paper also demonstrated that like you could give the ammonium chloride like three days on and four days off. So I've said this before, you give it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you're off for the rest of the week. You give it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you're off for the rest of the week. So it's a pulse therapy, which Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, the urine will be acidified and dissolve out your calculi. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you may make some, but then hopefully you're going to dissolve them on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. It's like imperfect, but you know, it is what it is. Um, the, and it, like it works really fast. So if you have an animal that uh, you're worried about or you want to be monitoring its urine pH, you can get pH test strips. And I've had clients do this who are very proactive and check pH before ammonium chloride and then check pH after ammonium chloride. And you can kind of dial in like how much ammonium chloride does this animal need to get its pH to be the target pH, which I want to say is like six, six to six and a half. Um, so just a little bit acidic. 
uh, and it works within like 12 hours. So like that's that stuff's on board. It's in circulation once it's ingested and digested, and then you see a change in urine pH quite quickly. But if you're feeding a feed with ammonium chloride and you're feeding it every day, then you're going to lose that effect of acidification. You're going to lose that benefit of dissolving crystals and or calculi that may be present. So that's why I don't, I, I, I don't feed my own animals routinely a feed that contains extra ammonium chloride. So those are our additives. Um, yeah. Uh, one other, like, I guess practical thing to consider for feeding grain is making sure you can always get what you want um, and not have to change it up. Uh, and in that, in when talking about that, just practically, my personal experience has been that it's a lot easier to have a relationship with a local feed store that directly works with your local mill rather than going to, like, a national chain like Tractor Supply. Um, I, my experience with just handling grain from those different sources is that your local feed mill streams are going to have fresher product. They're going to have more consistent product availability, um, and that's important because you don't want to have to change it up abruptly on your animals unless you have to. You want to keep the rumen happy. And rumen likes consistency. Um, also, I think my experience when I've had to like grab a bag of something from Tractor Supply is like, I feel like it's been around for a while. It probably came from some national warehouse in like the middle of the country and was on a hot truck for a long time. It's just not as nice and as fresh as the stuff that we get when it just got milled, you know, a hundred miles away last, you know, a couple days ago. So that's that's something to consider too. Um, the other nice thing about local mills is they do have like nutrition guys on staff. If you're feeding a large group of animals, sometimes you can get them to blend something custom for you, which is nice. Um, feed feed changes can make a huge difference. I've seen big herds change their feed, and just like the general appearance of the herd improves exponentially so that's kind of nice um feed is important and uh feeding grain to your growing animals is important so the question of who gets grain who doesn't get grain in my herd and in my recommendations unless you have a particular animal that's a fatty and a super easy keeper everybody gets grain in my book until they're a year old and then they tend to stop um, because they don't need it. So, like, my dry yearling does stop getting grain when they basically when they turn a year old, roughly at that time, because they don't need it. They're being freeloaders. They're being slackers. They're not making milk. They're not making babies. They're past that critical growth period, and they can do fine for the next roughly six to eight months on only grass and forage and hay because their bone development is largely complete they're they're fine they don't they don't need it um uh who else always 
who else doesn't get grain any like retired does tend to not get grain particularly in the summer um, who does get grain milking does uh, does in late pregnancy bucks that are uh, coming into the rut so we're in like mid-august right now as i'm recording this and my bucks have been getting some grain they've been out on pasture for most of the summer they weren't getting <laughs> grain at first because they were a bunch of fatties and uh now they are getting some grain because it's about to get to be the ruddy time of the year um, and they need, oh God, bucks need that energy. They need that energy to make good, strong sperm, to make high quality semen, to be able to have the energy to breed the does. Uh, and then I tend to feed them grain through the end of the year um, and then probably stop, like at least cut down, if not stop completely uh, in the spring and early summer. Who does not need grain ever? Pets in general pets do not have high metabolic caloric requirements they are chilling they're not making babies they're not making milk they're not under a time pressure constraint to get to a certain weight to go to market so like they can eat good quality hay and water and be just fine People like to feed pets. People like to feed pets treats. What are good treats for goats when you... And, like, let's be honest. Um, goats, like, food-motivated goats maybe are a little bit better behaved and you can get them to do things. And I see a good number of pet goats that are never asked to do anything. And then they're kind of obnoxious when I show up and ask them to sit still so I can trim their feet or vaccinate them or listen to their heart. And they think I'm, I'm the worst person ever and trying to kill them because I'm requesting that they do something that they think is, is horrible abuse. Um, so having some kind of food motivation is not necessarily a bad thing. Um, hay stretcher can be really nice for this. Um, different kinds of treats for goats, carrots. Um, we had one doe kid that really liked cherry tomatoes. Uh, I've got an old retired doe that I always share my apple core with and she knows her name and I call her and she'll come running across the barn to get her apple core. She's amazing. Um, yeah, so like little fruits, vegetables, um, banana chips, someone has told me before, goats really like, um, yeah, some kind of food motivation is not a bad thing, especially if they're accustomed to it, and it's like, like goats are smart, you can train them like a dog to, to do things and to accept handling and receive positive reinforcement in the form of a treat um, but they don't need like our does eat a couple of pounds I don't even know how many pounds like three quarts of 20% custom blended dairy feed a day um, because they're making milk and they need those calories weathers that are pets and just chilling do not need those calories 
um, and you're potentially asking for problems down the road depending on you know what who that animal is is it a fat weather and then it's going to be more prone to urinary calculi is an obese animal that's aging and then it's going to be more prone to arthritis and orthopedic issues which are very real problems in older goats um, so think about your animal's metabolic requirements and whether it needs to be fed grain or not. Um, some practical grain considerations. Have your grain in an area where your goats can't get to it. We have always tried to have our grain, like before we had way too many goats and we have, like, we have a grain bin now. Oh my God, and even the grain bin. <laughs> um like you need to minimize the likelihood that your goats are going to have access to a huge quantity of grain because it can be uh, at range anywhere from annoying to lethal for your animals. Um, grain overload is a very real thing. Having a room or a stall or a tack room or a feed room where you can close up your grain, um, keeping it in relatively air and watertight containers with lids. Um, and if you have to store bags, keeping those out of access of your goats is important because on the annoying side, they will make a big, gigantic mess that you have to clean up. And on the lethal side, like grain overload is a very real thing, and I've definitely seen animals die from it. Uh, and I can't remember if I've talked about that in a... I think I've talked about that in a previous episode, but I can't remember which one. Um, so if you want me to... <laughs> and I've got too many episodes to go back and listen to them all at this point. If you want me to do an episode about grain overload in particular, I'm happy to. That's one of those pathophysiology things that I find interesting to talk about um, so shoot me an email and let me know um, what else uh, let's talk about supplements uh, your need for supplementation is going to vary on your geographic location uh, your feed that you're feeding what life stage your animals are at and what their nutritional and caloric requirements are animals that are getting a grain that is formulated for their species and life stage are not like they don't need a lot of supplementation uh you can go listen to the episode about selenium and uh as far as that goes because that's a hot one that people like to talk about selenium deficiency and small ruminants um and i'd go in depth on that for like an hour i think so I don't need to do that again at you guys. The um, minerals, baking soda, kelp, people like to provide all of these things. I do not think they are 100% necessary. Do the animals like them? Sure. Do they think it's fun? Sure. But I like... I don't think I, I don't think it's 100% necessary for us for our geographic location and for our particular group of animals. What is necessary for our animals is zinc supplementation. I like a product called Zinpro. Um, I like Zinpro 40. Um, I like the idea of Zinpro Avela, um, which is zinc and cobalt and something else, more copper, I think. Um, but the goats do not find it as palatable because they're spoiled princesses, so that tends to not go over as well. 
but uh, our, our herd in particular in our geographic location with our minerals in our in our plant material, in our hay, in our water, our animals do better with zinc supplementation. Your mileage may vary on this. Um, and then the other thing about minerals too is like if you find that your animals need some kind of supplementation or thrive more with some kind of supplementation, I'm not a huge believer in like just providing it free choice because you're going to have animals that eat a ton of it and you're going to have animals that don't touch it. When we add zinc to our grain that's mixed and Devin mixes, hand mixes grain like probably two or three times a week and he adds the zinc to it because then he's he knows that all the does are getting it at a certain rate per pound of feed which is on the label, whatever. Um, so I, you can provide stuff free choice. I, I don't really trust it when it's provided free choice. I also find it's more work for me because then there's all these little like feed tubs that need to be cleaned out and they put their poopy feet in them because that's what they do. And then there's increased risk for like fecal oral contamination and parasites and bacteria and blah, blah, blah. That's just easier for me and in my experience to have it added to the feed and that's the end of it. Um, some stuff goats really seem to like. They seem to like salt licks. They seem to like kelp. And some of that I think is just like they like it and it tastes good. Um, providing a salt supplement like a salt block or a salt lick uh, think about again think about the population of your animals uh, your like pet weathers if you're going to provide salt I would recommend providing like a white salt block without added minerals to it because that the goal of that salt block would be to increase water consumption and have more dilute urine to prevent urinary calculi where if you have something with more minerals particularly calcium or phosphorus or magnesium, you have a higher potential for uh, making crystals or stones because those are the things that those stones are often made out of. Um, what else about supplements? If I've forgotten something about supplements, please feel free to shoot me an email and... Uh, or ask me questions about it, but I think that kind of covers the grain and supplements aspect of the conversation. Um, talked about some practical tips for it and general recommendations. And uh, yeah, uh, next, so you think you want to own goats is going to be about health. Um, and making sure you get healthy animals, how you can set yourself up for success in regards to that. Uh, come say hi, send me an email, goatdoccara at gmail.com. Find me on Instagram, go underscore doc. That is going to do it for the moment. I will talk to you guys next time.